Hey, well, here I am. I'm Glenn. Nice to meet you. <laughs> if I haven't met you before and you're visiting today, um, Deb and I uh, lead uh, Thrive Church here, and it's wonderful to have you with us today. Am I loud enough this morning? If you want to hear me down the back, we've just got a few little sound things going on today. Um, but we're just anticipating God to really just speak to you during the Word this morning. Just during worship, actually, I had a picture of what sort of seemed like the Canterbury Plains. And um, there were a, in the picture, I was drawn to a couple of really brown fields, actually. And I just thought immediately it was just like healing of the land. Healing of the land. And we know that scripture, if my people who have been called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their ways, or their wicked ways actually, their sneaky wicked ways, uh, I will forgive them, I'll heal them, and I'll heal their land. And uh, I just thought if there's a part of anyone's life here and the territory that you are assigned to in your world that you are feeling like you are struggling against the curse, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned and the ground was cursed and, you know, it was just, it, it meant like that in life that there would be toil and it would be hard, it would be just sweat, blood, tears. We expect, uh, you know, thorns to grow. We kind of like anticipate that it's going to be a hard slog Monday to Friday. We just sort of anticipate that because of, well, the curse came, but Jesus wore the crown of thorns. Come on symbolizing. It wasn't a symbol. It was a prophetic act that the toil would be broken, that the land that would work would actually be plentiful and abundant. So I just want to partner with someone. If you're struggling in your, in your Monday to Friday life and or your ground is sick, I just want to partner with you right now with heaven's word for your life for abundance, breakthrough, provision. This is, this is a good word. That, you know, that there will be a, a partnership between heaven and earth. So if that's you, just pop your hand on your heart right now. We're just going to pray. Jesus, we just thank you that, that, um, that you're into healing land. We, and we thank you that our righteousness is reinstated as we are in Christ Jesus. And so we just thank you right now as we turn to you that you would bring healing to our lives. And we just stand against any toil this morning that people are feeling around their life, God. We break the power of toil. And we just thank you for stepping into the fulfillment of, of, um, of, of the call of God on our lives to bring abundance from heaven to earth, to be the light in the darkness. And God, we just thank you as sons and daughters, we get to rule and reign in life through abundant grace and the gift of righteousness in Jesus' name. Amen. Too good. All right, so I've got uh, the, the privilege of wrapping up our, our Matthew 25 challenge today. And I've got an amazing artwork here I want to show you um, of the face of Jesus. Um, and you've probably seen this. This was painted by an eight-year-old. Her name was um, Akian Kramak, uh, yeah, something. Uh, it's one of those Eastern countries that I uh, just can't pronounce names. And and this was an incredible art piece for an eight-year-old to paint, right? As an artist, I'm slightly intimidated uh, by his skill. I've just, I'm reading this book at the moment called The Relentless Tenderness of Jesus. And I want to read you just a portion 
here. It says in the New Testament, Jesus upstages everyone else. He's not only the center of the gospel, he is the whole gospel. He is the good news. Fringe people say that uh, stay on the fringe. Marginal men and women stay on the margin. Individuals are introduced only to interrogate, respond, or react to Jesus. Nicodemus, the Samaritan woman, Peter, Thomas, Mary Magdalene, uh, Caiaphas, Pilate, and all the others form the backdrop to the person of Jesus. He dwarfs everyone else. This is as it should be, for the New Testament is Kairos, the hour of salvation. And Jesus is that salvation. When the final curtain falls, he will upstage all the Caesars, uh, the Napoleon, popes, presidents, uh, PhDs and pundits, all the famous and powerful people who have ever lived in the course of human history. Every man and woman who has ever drawn breath will be appraised, evaluated, and measured solely in terms of his or her personal relationship with the carpenter from Nazareth. Revelation 1.8 says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. He is powerful. <laughs> he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Do you know him today? So when Jesus says uh, in Matthew 25 that the kingdom of heaven is like, this is, uh, this is not a statement for us to go, oh, yeah, man, whatever, it's just another Another kind of thing here in the Word, and we'll just pass over it. But we're going to jump into Matthew 25. We've got a bit of reading here. This is a, a chunky piece of Scripture uh, to, to share with you. <laughs> Thank you, Moto Moto. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Let's move on from that, from that song. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 14 and this is in the context of what Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is life, alike. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Everyone say, uh-oh. <laughs> After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled um, accounts with them. The man who had received five golds brought um, the other five. Master, he said, you, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
You know, the Greek word uh, for talents here is teleton. And um, it means a large sum of money or the weight of precious metal. It actually has nothing to do with talents in a metaphorical sense. Um, you know, like some of us are good at this and some of us are good at art and some of us are good at running and some of us are good at cooking. And it's not so much to do that, but it's specifically in regards to a large sum of money. And the value of a talent, get this, is actually what was, and if we put it into this day's context, the equivalent of 20 years of labor. That's a lot of money. Even one talent, that's a lot of money. So we see this master who has great confidence in his servants. Even, even the lowest, he's entrusting around, you know, $950,000. For for five thousands uh, is around a hundred years worth of wages. So when when Jesus starts breaking open the scripture, we're we're actually kind of one of the things he's he's calling us and drawing us into see is this generosity from the master and the degree of trust that he's given uh, the 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 servants. And then in verse twenty four it goes on. It says this when. The, Then the man who received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant! Exclamation mark. (laughs) So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed? Question mark. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that... <laughs> this is in the Bible... Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. Will there be weeping and gnashing of teeth? It's an intense ending to this parable, isn't it? Just turn to your neighbor and say, everything's going to be okay. (laughs) But (laughs) everything is awesome. We can't look away from this. This this is the words of Jesus. The master removes everything that had been entrusted to this guy. It was like, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. We can't dodge this part of the scripture that, that Jesus labels this man's refusal to engage with what had been entrusted to him as wicked laziness. Oh, I know, scolding. Scolding. This is not the words of Glenn. This is the words of God this morning. And I'm not saying this because I can see any wicked, lazy people out there because the lights are off. If the lights were on. No, no, no. Joking. <laughs> sorry, sorry. We're friends, right? We're friends. Um, something that, as I was reading this passage, just really struck me was uh, towards the end, and we see that this servant, 
has a defining assumption about the nature of the master. I knew you were a hard man. Let me just put this out here to you today that our perception of the master, of the Lord, of the King of Kings, of our Father, the perception of Him will either unlock the kingdom to us or lock down the kingdom from us. He essentially, He received what He perceived. You know, if we only see God as a hard man, as a distant Lord, as someone who is just kind of a tough, you know, it's tough to please God. We're going to box the kingdom out of our lives. Unboxing, you know, unboxing our perception of the nature of God actually liberates us into greater realms of freedom. You know, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This is what Romans 12 is. And then it goes on to say, so that we can test and approve God's good and pleasing and perfect will for our lives. But this third servant, he just can't get over his assumption around the nature of God. And, the, and, the, and, the, and, the con- and this was like the consequences for him to take a risk and to potentially fail was more threatening to his life than the joy of investing what the father had given him, what the master had entrusted to him. And out of the thir- out of the three servants, this guy who had the smallest talent as well given to him, he actually had the least to lose. Imagine if you were given the five talents. You'd be like, oh. The fear of what, what if I got it wrong with five was so far great more than the fear of, of the one. Paul said in Philippians 2 verse 12, fascinating scripture here that's, you know, that, that, um, that is worth looking at. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's a bit of a, one of those verses where you're like, I don't get it. Because isn't it, isn't grace a gift? And that's right. Work out your salvation, not work for your salvation. Work out your salvation. I just want to remind you, Christian man and woman of faith, that working out your salvation invites us into a position of risk. (laughs) And risk-taking requires courage. And when we're driven by the fear of getting it wrong, it's likely that we're going to hide the master's gold in the ground. Working out our salvation calls us out of the boat and it calls us out onto the water to step out in faith into the sea of the unknown. And then Philippians three, uh, 2, sorry, 13, goes on to say, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. You know, as we 
as we work out our salvation, as we walk out our salvation, God is at work in our lives. His will and His actions as we step with Him are the fulfillment of His good purpose in us and through us. But the third servant, he doesn't engage his salvation experience into a salvation lifestyle. Can I get an amen and hallelujah? <laughs> you know, while his master's away, while Jesus is away, he neglects how salvation could be worked out through him, playing it safe with, you know what he had with fool's gold? Instead of managing the king's gold. Not like you guys, though. You guys get this, eh? We're, we're all good. We're all good this morning. We're, we're managing the king's gold. I want to tell you, church, and I know this is a pretty, it's kind of like a, kind of a heavy scripture. Anyone feeling encouraged so far? You seem quiet today. <laughs> I, bless that soul. We're called to be a people who seek God's will and purpose for our lives with all our hearts. That's what being a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, is all about. It's not about a casual agreement. What did Paul say? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And if you're struggling today hearing this word, you know, thinking, man, or you're thinking, what do I have? What, do I, what has God actually given me? Who am I? What, what, what is this talent business? Have I got any kingdom wealth in my life? I'll, I want to first remind you that God believes in you. <laughs> God believes in you. The master, the good master, entrusts his servants with bags of gold each worth 20 years worth of wages and with no specific instructions on what to do with it. <laughs> That's entrustment, right? I want to remind you that who you are and what God has given you is so valuable. God has given us resources that are highly valuable. What are our resources? Our resources could be our experiences, our personalities, our finances, our wisdom, our prayers, our time. And, and don't, don't think that, that we all need to be perfect, that we all need to be ready when, when we, when we have the, to, to be able to have the opportunity to activate the resources he's given us. You know, I love the story of Gideon, who loves Gideon. He's just threshing out. He's just in the wine press and the angel arrives into his life and he says, Hey, Gideon, you're a mighty man of God. You're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, Who am I? I'm the, I'm the least. 
My tribe is the least. Leave me alone. I'm unqualified. I want to tell you today that no one is unqualified from using the kingdom resources. He's put something in your hand to, to give, to do, to express. You have the potential to bring increase of the kingdom into this world. Um, check out this guy. This is Greg and Kelly Hay. Uh, this is their church accountant. Say hi, Greg. <laughs> Greg writes this. Hey, Thrive Church. Many years ago, you supported us when we were living in northeast China and reaching out with the love of God to the Uyghur people. We're so very thankful for those days and your support. This is about 15 plus years ago. Since then, we've seen the Lord supernaturally reach a few Uyghur here in New Zealand and around the world. Uh, they sovereignly meet with Jesus in dreams and visions. Get that. We now have a small online Uyghur church, and we're actively reaching to Uyghur around the world online also. I'm also a businessman and accountant. And I've always felt that the Lord would bring my missionary life and business life together for His kingdom. After many years of working on this in prayer and developing ourselves in business, a wonderful God-ordained opportunity surprised us last year. The Lord opened a door for us to help start and grow four Uyghur businesses in Turkey. They are around uh, um, 50, uh, there are around 50,000 Uyghur living in a small area of Istanbul, Turkey. After escaping China due to the increased oppression, this has been such a joy to us. Much of what I do is online, and whenever I have a business coaching time with them, I sense the Lord's pleasure as I serve the Lord in this way. I recently visited Turkey, and once again, the Lord was gracious and led me to precious people who needed to know His love, and I was able to share Jesus with them. We now meet regularly online, and we believe the Lord is using all of this to build His kingdom amongst the Uyghur. Ours is not a standard missionary journey, but we are totally, uh, but we totally feel alive in the lane the Lord has for us. We're inspired when we hear stories of everyday, ordinary believers stepping out into the call of God for their lives, and more and more, the Lord is raising up modern-day missionaries who work by day and are missionaries by night. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? It's just like this guy, and this is not unlike ne what Neville and Christine are doing as well. From the comfort of your own home, you can reach the other side of the world. And 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 Greg is just he's he's such just a good guy. He's not like a super charismatic, you know, someone that you would put in that kind of box. He's just a guy who has been seeking the Lord and saying, God what, how do you want to use what I have to bless the kingdom, to bless this world? My second thought today, actually, let's just pray for him. Jesus, Jesus, we just pray for, for Greg and Kelly. We just bless their, their call, the call on their lives to reach the Uyghur people. And we just thank you for more opportunity and for, for salvation to increase through dreams and visions into this nation. In Jesus' name. You know, our lives are an opportunity to increase what belongs to the master. 
That's what our lives are really about. Our lives are an opportunity to increase what belongs to Him. And Jesus starts this this parable of the talents with the statement, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. You know, the kingdom of heaven mindset views that what has been trusted to us is the master's, (laughs) belongs to the master. What he's given us, there's something to do with it. There's an opportunity to be creative. There's an opportunity to invest and play the long game, remembering that the reward is at the end the end of the investment term. And we love instant, don't we? Oh, yeah. We love the microwave stuff. We love like the fast car to get us there. We don't want to take the bus because there's so many stops on the way. We just want to, we want to be there. But Jesus is challenging us in this parable to live with the end in sight, with the view that the master is coming back and to be faithful with what he has entrusted to us. I want to remind you today, Christian, (laughs) as followers of Christ, eternal rewards has to be our focus. God has put eternity in our hearts, and that's where our reward is. He's called us to take all that He's invested in us and live devoted to His call and purpose for us. Romans 12 verse 11 says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Jesus looks for faithfulness when he returns. That's what the master is looking for. And this parable has been instrumental over the last two millennia as Christians have thought about their lives and their callings And wait up, what am I going to do with the talent that he's given us? And this is our turn. This is our moment in history. This is our moment that we were born for such a time as this. God has put eternity in our hearts, and that's where our reward is. That That was a proverb that always... I just had so much curiosity around that property, uh, that proverb, that God has put eternity in our hearts, yet man cannot fathom it. Everyone, every one of us is looking forward to that day, that eternal existence, that eternal reward, that eternal pleasure of being in the King's presence. And Morrow this week... Um, spoke to us and she said there's a cost in Pentecost. I'd never heard that before. There's a cost in Pentecost. There's a cost to be filled with the Spirit. It will cost you your life. (laughs) And the cost to follow Jesus is, is right up front. You know, as I said, Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. But I think the biggest cost is if we just stay stagnant where we are. If the biggest cost for us is if we just bury the treasure 
that the Father has given us. Joshua 3 verse 5. Joshua was a man in this, you know, in this moment really. He was on the edge. He was, he's, in Joshua 1, we, we, we know that, that the angel spoke to him and said, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Because he was on the edge. He was facing, he was about to face the giants. He was about to go in to the, to the promised land. He was about to start working out his salvation with fear and trembling. And in Joshua 3 verse 5, it says that Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate, it means to be set apart. To be sanctified, to be set apart. To take our lives, to take what we have and say, this is holy. This could just go with the world and I could just go with whatever. But I'm going to actually set apart my life for God. This is why I'm in this moment. It's not for myself. It's to be consecrated to Him. And today, today, when I say today, I say this moment, but I say this hour. I say this Kairos moment. This is a moment for believers once again for us to consecrate our lives, to not just pass through this, this time frame that has been allotted to us, but to devote to lay down our lives, to devote everything that we have to Him, to follow Him, to pursue Him. I don't want to just play with fool's gold. I want to play with the king's gold. I don't want to play with it. Want to manage it. Let's just stand just in this moment. If you just if you if you think this is a word for you this morning, I just want to invite you just to put your hand on your heart. I just want to lead you in a prayer before I welcome Deb back up. Jesus we want to burn for you we don't want to play church or be religious we want to be white hot for the kingdom and we just want to give you our stuff as well all the the gifts, the talents, the finances the resources, the relationships, our prayers our dreams, our hopes every facet of our lives, Jesus. We just, we want to place that in your hands. We want to be good stewards. Help us. Help us to see what you've entrusted to us today in a new way. And we just thank you for the gift of salvation that you have given us, the free gift of righteousness. But we don't want to take that lightly today. We want to say to you, Jesus, that we want to work out the salvation that you've put in our hearts. 
We, we don't want to be like those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we want to we want to be like those who believe and are saved. And just for all of us, Jesus, when we feel like we're standing on the brink, like we feel like we're standing on the side of the boat, we feel like we're on the on the edge of the promised land today, Jesus. Just give us courage to step in. Lord, I just pray for hearts today who are just feeling afraid of the future, feeling afraid of tomorrow, feeling afraid of what people think of them. We give you our fear of man. We give you our fear of lack. And we pray that we would be known, Lord, as ones, as faithful ones, as faithful stewards. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. <laughs> we just thank you that you are our comforter, you are our guide. And just over these, these coming days, we just open our minds to the for, the, for a fresh leading of your spirit. And we open our hearts to you in a new way today. In Jesus' name, amen.